My name is Cheryl Niehaus, and I am a program officer here at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation and your host for this podcast on personalized learning. We believe that relevant and actionable data is necessary to help teachers make the best instructional decisions for students. Personalized learning models are by nature data-driven, and so we invested in the Next Generation Learning Challenge to support the design and incubation of these types of cutting-edge school models. To bring this to life, today we will talk to people who are actually doing the work. Margaret Angel, Program Director of City Bridges Education Innovation Portfolio, and Scott Cartland, Principal of Wheatley Education Campus in Washington, D.C. Wheatley is one of the first Breakthrough Schools grantees in D.C. We're going to talk today about what they've been learning through this incubation process and hear how it's going. Hi, Margaret and Scott. Thanks so much for joining us today. Margaret, let's start with you. Can you tell us about yourself and about the work that CityBridge does? I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to share our next-gen school design incubation experience through the program called Breakthrough Schools DC. Uh, but a little bit more on who we are and the background of how we got here. Uh, CityBridge is a family foundation in Washington, D.C., and we focus exclusively on K-12 education in the district. And we really come at this more as a venture philanthropy shop um, than a traditional family foundation in that we look for the best um, ideas out there in education and try and bring them to bear in D.C. And so when we think about what we're trying to do, we're really trying to build a system of great schools in the district. We work across the traditional district schools and charter schools. Um, and we're really working to replicate high-performing schools and turn around lower-performing schools through our philanthropic work. Um, so in terms of my background, I came from district administration. I was most recently before this the director of secondary school transformation at D.C. Public Schools. And as you can imagine, that's a pretty tough nut to crack. And I came away from my district experience really hoping and believing that there was another way at this. Um, and so when I came to CityBridge, I was asked by Catherine Bradley, our president, and Mika Wick, our executive director, to start formulating a series of programs that would help and really facilitate and activate educators across the district to start thinking about next generation school design. The program we're going to talk about today is called Breakthrough Schools DC, and it's a challenge that encourages the development of personalized learning models so that schools are able to go beyond just adequately serving diverse student populations. And really, our goal is to serve all students, all students when, with what they need when they need it. Margaret, what is the impact you want to have in DC? So DC is, is a unique spot um, as a district. We have about 220 schools, and we have just over 100 schools that are high poverty and low performing. And so as a district and, and as a philanthropy, we think about um, trying to serve and create um, those 100 schools to transform them into high-performing schools. And so with Breakthrough Schools DC, with our $6 million fund, we want to fund um, 18 schools in this next generation model. And we believe that ultimately those 18 schools will reach about 15% of students in D.C., so we'll be, you know, about a fifth of the way towards um, the goal of 100 newly transformed schools and, um, and also reaching 15% of the students. Scott, can you tell us a little about yourself and Wheatley Education Campus? My name is Scott Kirtland, and I'm the principal at Wheatley Education Campus. Uh, Wheatley is a traditional D.C. public school. Uh, we are an education campus, which means that we serve three-year-olds, and we go all the way up through middle school. 
for the purposes of the grant, we're really focusing on our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. We have about 140 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Uh, our school is 98% African American, 100% free and reduced lunch. It's my seventh year at the school, uh, and when I started uh, at Wheatley seven years ago, we were one of the lowest performing schools in the city uh, with proficiency rates in the, in the low teens. Um, and currently, you know, we've made some great progress uh, at Wheatley. Uh, our 7th and 8th graders last year, I think 7th grade, we were at 75% proficient in math and 62% proficient in reading. So we've, we've made huge gains, but we still feel like um, we needed to do some radical transformation, that the, the slow incremental growth was not enough. And so for us, this whole NGLC grant process is an amazing way to sort of rethink how we do school in a radical way. And once we started asking those questions of well, what, in what ways school is working, what way does it need to change, it was a total sort of Pandora's box moment. Like once you open that box and start thinking that way, there was just not going to be any turning back. So by the end of the application process, we knew we were going to make some changes in our school, whether we got the grant or not. Um, because once you start to really think about how school needs to change to meet the needs of kids, uh, you know, it's hard not to move in that direction. So. That's why we're really excited about sort of the work we're doing with NGLC and CityBridge. Margaret, can you tell us why you are working to implement personalized learning in DC? This really builds off of what Scott just said. So our core motivation comes from the reality that we know that the way that we do school uh, doesn't work. Um, and I'll give you a brief story, which is that in one of the first pilot programs that we did um, with one of our fellows, we were interviewing students who had experienced the redesigned classroom and, and talking to them about their experiences before and after. And one student said to me, listen, school will make you hate school. And what we know is that the way we do it now, we have one teacher in front of 25 students for 180 days, and they move through the grade level material at one pace and one path. And at the schools we care about improving, like Scott's, um, we know that the students come in one, two, three, up to five, six, seven grade levels behind. Um, and because of the design, the teacher teaches to the middle and basically everybody loses. Um, and the students know that, right? That student said school will make you hate school because he had to sit there in classes where he, the material wasn't right for him at that moment when he needed it. Um, and so right now school is something that happens to students. It's not an active, engaged learning experience. And what we know about brain science is that we are hardwired for curiosity and that people desire deeper learning experiences that are applied and relevant, um, that they desire autonomy, and that they desire experiences that are tied to the real, applied, meaningful purpose. Um, so we want schools that are designed around those principles because we believe um, that when students will own their own learning and be deeply engaged um, in ways that are relevant, then they'll have access to defining um, and making a successful life. And Scott, what does this look like in practice? Sure. So what we wanted to do <clears throat> is to set up a competency-based model. So we have taken our curriculum and we've organized it into units. We've designed performance tasks for each unit so that students are demonstrating, you know, success in the standards and the skills for that unit as well as sort of those sort of learning tasks uh, and modalities that they need to master. And they can't move from one unit to the other until they've mastered the first unit, the previous unit. And that sounds really simple, but to implement that actually is very difficult because we have so many structures in our schools that are not set up for that level of differentiation. I mean, you know, 
think about sort of what a typical middle school is like. You have a schedule, you go to see these teachers, like Margaret was saying, you've got one teacher, 25 kids, and they gotta just keep moving along. <clears throat> and so we've created some flexibility within our scheduling to allow students some free time to to work on material that we've already presented. So we're, we're doing some direct instruction, our kids still need that, but then we're also providing them with some flexibility of time so that they can continue to, to work on the performance tasks that they need. We also have to then rethink about how we use our staff members. So, you know, it's not always teachers just instructing new material. We have teachers that sort of do some remediation, do some coaching, and we're really using a lot of technology in order to enable this work. So I, I think the, you know, again, it, it, it sounds so simple, but the message to students and the message from the adults is very different. I mean, instead of saying, okay, we're gonna teach you and assess you and then we're all gonna move on with whatever grade you have, we're really saying to them, we're not gonna move forward unless you're ready to and until you're ready to. And by the way, you can't not be ready at some point in time. Like you actually have to do the work in order to move on to the next unit. And, and again, as simple as that sounds, that's a really different way of looking at school for uh, a lot of our kids. Margaret, can you tell us a little about the regional funds for breakthrough schools, specifically in D.C.? What does the model look like and what makes what you're doing unique in your city? We consider Breakthrough Schools DC to the fund to be risk capital. And so we're investing in entrepreneurial innovators and very early adopters with the fund. Our goal is to give educators the tools and resources and space to design the next generation of schools. It's a competitive challenge competition for school design teams. And the grants range from two hundred to $400,000, plus strategic support is needed. Um, so we look for strong entrepreneurial leaders and get them up to speed on next generation ideas and then try to get ourselves and other barriers out of the way. Um, and so one of the big thing that we do, which is the difference, um, I think, from, from the national competition, we front load, front load design supports for our teams. So in the months leading up to an application deadline, we run a series of design workshops. The first phase of them we call our learn sessions, where they're topical workshops in the evenings this year we did one on competency-based learning, which is, is a thread of many of our winning proposals. Time and talent, um, really thinking about the trade-off of how you use time and your teachers and also leveraging technology um, to get the students more personalized experiences. And then the third topic we did was blended learning, so leveraging technology um, to serve students better. So we run learn sessions, and then after those we encourage school teams to get together. And once they have a team together, then they can move on to our design institutes. And the design institute this summer was a four-day, um, full-day, four-day session sessions um, where we walked through a design process and had the teams walk pretty methodically through a process to get to a whole school design. And then they went back to their schools and they had another six weeks to refine that process and prepare their applications. Scott, is there anything that you would add to this? So I, I absolutely um, was blown away by the whole design process. I mean, it started with that very simple question of sort of what's not working, what is it that you need to change? And again, I, I mean, I've told a few principals before, like those are just really dangerous questions. They sound so simple, but they really put you in places that you just, you know, again, because once you start thinking about what's not working, like how can you not figure out a way to do it better? 
I think once we as a team had started to think that way, like we were going to make changes in our school even if we didn't get the grant. It just became so clear that we needed to rethink uh, some things. So, so my, you know, sort of my um, advice to principals in D.C. who are thinking about doing this, there's value just in going through the application process even if you don't actually win the grant um, because it really does make you rethink how you, how you go about business. And last question, what advice can you offer to other incubators who are just starting out? I think uh, my advice um, to principals in particular as they uh, think about doing this is to really invest their staff in the planning process. I mean, again, I, I think I took it for granted, like how important that whole planning process was. And again, I think City Bridge really did an exceptional job with two revolutions of making it a meaningful experience for us. And it's really hard to invest. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're already operating a school and you want to make a huge pivot, it's really hard to invest people in change um, because, I mean, for one, it's scary, and for two, people are really busy in the here and now. And I mean, every, you know, every teacher in their classroom is up to their, you know, we work those folks really hard, and it's hard for them to think about how to do things differently. And if you're a successful teacher, like, why would you want to change, or why would you want to to rethink how you do things? Um, and so I think really investing uh, folks pretty widely in that planning process is my biggest piece of advice because, again, I think it's um, just sort of that, that time and space to think about how we can do schools differently is just really invaluable. That's great. And Margaret? Um, first, the next generation design principles um, and ideas around personalized learning are deeply rooted in an understanding of what isn't working. Um, what we found is that educators are hungry for them and they embrace them. And so when people approach us and say, well, how do you, how do you teach these? How do you share them? The reality is you got to do the basics, but don't worry about having to convince anyone. Scott got it in the first day of talking through these things. Um, and then they became his ideas and his, his desires for his students. Um, for making early bets, I would go with the hungriest educators, um, because they're going to light the path for others. Second, I think like all design and change management processes, educators need time, space, and a good process, um, and try to create that for your pipeline and for your grantees. Um, and finally, I think one of the things that, that has helped us and guided us is embracing this as a risk-taking process. Um, I don't want incremental approach to, to change in this area. Um, I want our grantees to embrace their failures as much as their successes. Um, we desperately need the growth mindset in school design, and so we try not to nitpick our grantees with arbitrary accountability. Um, we give them the, the space um, and the time to do it. At the same time, given that, I expect and require a rigor in the design process, but then let your high flyers go. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to hearing what comes next.